On this episode, we discuss the first season's finale of Westworld, The Bicameral Mind. Stay tuned to hear what commentary and analysis the pour-over crew has on this cerebral and action-packed episode. We'll also be talking about a little coffee giveaway and discussing next week's season recap. Here we go. Hey friends, welcome to the Pour Over Podcast, hosted by myself, Dill, and Joe. Each week we bring you our thoughts on a certain episode of a TV show, and most importantly, chit-chat about the very thing so many of us depend on each morning, coffee. So, hey Joe, how's it going? It's going pretty good, man. I feel energized and ready to go. I took a sick day today, because uh, I was feeling pretty crappy, but ended up just taking it because I think I needed a day off. Mm. That's good. You gotta take care of yourself. For real, that self care is very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you uh, did you make coffee today? I did. I uh, was lucky enough to do the afternoon coffee routine. Mm. Yeah, one of your favorites. Um. Yeah, for yeah. sure. How are you doing? Uh, overall, pretty good. Um. I know that my school semester just started, but I'm already planning ahead to next semester because registration's soon. So time's just kind of flying by. Uh, fall oh, weather's wow. already here. Winter's coming up. So, and uh, this this past week actually, we had the perfect day in Texas. Oh, for real? It was like it was like 60s. You know, no rain. Is it, it felt great? Oh wow! Um, probably only one of the whole year though. So. <laughs> I was about to say, does Texas really have fall weather? No, there's probably like two days, you know, in the whole year. <laughs> it just kind of goes like super summer hot, uh, maybe a day of fall in there, and then it just kind of stays hot, and then winter. Yeah. So It's like cold, but not really like super cold. Mm-hmm. And then like in a couple of days in the winter, you have like super cold days, and you're like, yeah. am I in Texas or what? Like, is this... Dallas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weather just can't make up his mind, so it just kind of goes back and forth. And there might be a day in the winter where you could like wear shorts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I guess it's kind of like Westworld. You know, like we've only mm-hmm. seen the summer days there, and mm-hmm. we haven't quite gone to the winter timeline yet. Oh yeah, that's when it becomes Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's actually the same show. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh shoot! And it's actually like a production, just like Westworld is. It's like Game oh, of Thrones, uh... <laughs> that'd be, that'd be like the Game of Thrones, like on season seven or something. And it's like, by the way, everyone's a robot. <laughs> You're right, <laughs> right, right. Oh yeah. man, that'd be so crazy! Wow. Um, but yeah, how's uh, how's your coffee been this week? Uh, what what's what's anything new in the coffee game? Um, in my coffee game, let's see, I have a couple of new things in my repertoire. I did pick up the AeroPress, which, um, yeah, I will talk about. Um, I got a new coffee bag. I got a, another coffee from Boston Stoker, La Mesita. Mm. It's a, well, why don't you guess what kind of, uh, what kind of, um, cultivar would you say it's from? La Masita. Uh, I have no idea. Colombia. Oh, okay. I, I like yeah. a good Colombian uh, coffee. Yeah. So. It's interesting because I was drinking it, and um, it's um, it's pretty in the middle for everything. Like So for Boston Stoker, they put the flavor profiles, um, mm. categorizing it with acidity, body, 
sweetness and roast, and they do a 1 to 10 scale. And on the La Masita, it's pretty much fives all the way till it gets to a roast when it's like a three. Hmm. Wow. Um, so after drinking the Ethiopians, now drinking the Colombian coffee, it's almost like savory as opposed to fruity and kind of yeah. sweet. Yeah, that's good. I think that more appeals to my, my palate. That, that's why uh, I like I like the Colombian and uh, South America coffee. So you, you feel me then on that analysis? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it makes okay. sense. Hmm. How your uh, how have your brews been going? Uh, not too bad. I've been drinking that Summer Moon coffee that I said I picked up last week, and oh, yes. uh, I'll say it's it's been growing on me after drinking it a few times. Um, it's really smooth, I guess. Mm. I would say uh, goes down pretty smooth, and while it's still not my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. it is better than a lot of other coffees that I've tried. So like, Ooh. it's a pretty, you know, solid, I think like a daily drinker, I guess you, you could say. Um, and I, I was making it more so with the Japanese iced coffee that I talked about before. And I actually think it goes pretty well with that. Um, hmm. a little bit more mellow. And like I said, it's pretty smooth. So with brewing it over ice, uh, kind of worked out. Mm. So yeah, you that. It's, it's been good. You got that fire and ice thing going on. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's what I've been drinking. Uh, I'll probably finish the bag soon. And then, you know, back to something. Maybe I, maybe back to the Oak Cliff or something. We'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Oak Cliff is, seems like the most consistent brand for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very nice. Um. So... The coffee topic for this week was a little bit impromptu for me. Mm. And um, basically, I think we're going to be revisiting our traveling coffee segment. That's cool. Yeah. So this week, I was able to go camping with some friends. um, And we went to Kelly's Island, which is like a small kind of um, camping slash tourist island just in the uh, Lake Erie region above uh, like Sandusky and like that Northern Ohio place area. And um, just to give you guys some background, these are some new friends that I've met through a really good um, friend. And um, a lot of them were not coffee lovers. I found this after the fact. <laughs> and um and they and it wasn't really like a wilderness like in the nature camping. We were literally taking stuff in and out of our cars. So um our campsite was like five feet away from our cars. Okay. Car camping. Yeah. <laughs> so uh I brought the AeroPress uh and I'm fairly new to it too. So um AeroPress, new friends not really into coffee and mm. we also had like accessibility to everywhere else because we had our cars essentially. Nice. Did you buy the AeroPress just for this camping trip? I'm a little bit sad to say I did, yeah. Oh no no <laughs> no shame in buying coffee gear, man. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yes. Um yeah, I appreciate your reassurance because it was a total coffee fail. <laughs> really? Ooh, tell us more. Yeah. 
Okay, uh, so for some more background, just with the air press, I brought everything I needed that came out of the box. I had a stirring spoon also, and I brought coffee grounds that I pre-ground and packaged into three 32 container, 32 ounce, or 32 grams, excuse me, containers. So totaling about 128 grams of coffee. Mm-hmm. And a gallon of third grade, third wave water, and I also mm-hmm. had like a little stainless steel mug for the carafe. Um, so overall, I think the coffee was a fail because I didn't bring enough coffee. So the 32 grams was technically good for two people. And there were 13 people (laughs) on the (laughs) trip. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, non-coffee drinkers aside, just having one cup per person. I mean, you got to think about one cup is eight ounces. And, um, typically when I brew for work, I brew like almost like 32 ounces, I think. Oh, wow. <clears throat> yeah, it's almost like four cups of coffee, but. Dang, son. Yeah. And so like an eight ounce cup, especially when you're out in the wilderness in the cold, or not the wilderness, but camping in the cold, this is like really not going to do you. Mm-hmm. So um, that was a fail. Another thing was the air press isn't great for making bulk coffee. Mm-hmm. And I think you shared this before already. But I just had to keep making cups for <laughs> each person. And, like, I didn't get to drink my cup until probably 30 minutes into the process. Oh, no. Um, the saving grace was that we had a coffee urn to hold all the hot water. But mm-hmm. if I had to real reboil water each time, I think I, it would have take, taken, like, a whole hour. Wow. Um, and the last thing was, like, People didn't really care for my coffee. Oh, no. Um, Yeah, it was like a slight kind of stab in the heart. But I don't blame them because uh, they were like, what is this instrument? Oh, Mm -hmm. that's cool. It's interesting. I just want my coffee, you know? (laughs) Um, So we weren't really coffee aficionados there. Mm. Yeah. Well, was it like pre-stated beforehand that you're going to be the coffee guy or something? It was, it was, and um, I don't know if they're kind of like throwing me into lion's den, um, or maybe I should have just been a little bit more preemptive, but I was like, oh, this is going to be fun, I'm going to try out my new AeroPress, and you know, make some coffee for some friends, and they'll be really appreciative of me, which I think they (laughs) were, but um, in the end, I felt like, okay, I just kind of look like like a buffoon, just trying to like get all this stuff and like be all like, you know articulate and like special Mm. with it but really like at the end of the day when you're out there in the cold you just want like a comforting hot beverage yeah 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 and i think coffee snob you know specialty coffee lover starbucks coffee person drinker regular coffee person drinker aside all those things aside like that's what you really want Mm mm-hmm yeah, yeah, I'm I'm impressed. You you trying to make that many cups with the AeroPress because that's I can only imagine the amount of work that that took. Yeah, it was yeah. a little bit frustrating. Yeah, especially if it's like a newer uh newer brewer they're not as familiar with too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people were just like confused. Like when I <laughs> brewed it out, it was like a tiny little bit. I'm like, oh yeah, you just add a little bit of water. And yeah. I think some people were just like, oh, I'm just going to drink it as is because it tastes good. Yeah. And I was like, oh, 
okay, like that that means that either I didn't brew it right or you just like espresso or <laughs> it's like uh, it, it depends on your recipe. I think usually when I make AeroPress, I don't add water to it either. Um, mm. But it depends. I, I've seen recipes where you do. So just kind of, yeah. Yeah. I think just the main takeaway is with AeroPress, it's best for single cups. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's pretty hard to make volume uh, with the AeroPress. Um Dang, it's like uh, it's like you had your own little coffee bar going there, but the the customers weren't weren't looking for that. And I they guess. weren't feeling it. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, they they might have preferred the Walmart coffee thing. You know, mm. just like walk up, get your coffee, and go. Yeah, one, two, three, just here you go. All right. Yeah. Right. Dang, it's a bummer. But um, do you, what what do you think of the AeroPress though? I mean, you know, circumstances may be a little more stressful and not. Um, mm-hmm. preferred, but just using using the new brewer, what were some of your thoughts? It's very easy to clean. Um, mm. I really like that. And um, what else? I feel like um, it just brews a very drinkable coffee. Like, yep. it's very smooth. Um, I don't know if it was the La Masita or it was the AeroPress, but I feel like the coffee just comes out very middle of the line like i didn't mm-hmm. get a lot of whole like a whole lot of notes and uh you know high end low end um so that was different for me compared to like a pour over yeah i, I would say that's probably the aeropress more so um although the aeropress you can still get some flavor notes but i think it's not quite as nuanced as as pour over like you said um, so like beans that aren't quite as good can taste pretty decent with the AeroPress. It's like really forgiving. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. But also, yeah, I, I think, well, it was the first time I used the AeroPress and also like the first time I think I had, um, high quality roasted beans, but I, mm-hmm. I think that you, you can get some notes, but it's, it's definitely not, not made for that, I think. So, yeah. So what about you, man? Any kind of takeaways from my story and my experience or just uh, any any new kind of revelations about traveling with coffee on your end? Yeah, I think that would, uh, like, hella stress me out. Um, I think in general, like, if I have to make something for someone, I think I put a lot of stress on myself personally. Mm. Like, I want it to be, like, good, quote-unquote good or whatever. Um so I think that situation would have been very difficult. Um, so re- respects for making it through with that one. Um, I got to. Yeah, I mean, I think traveling. There's just so many other variables. I think you just don't think about, um, mm-hmm. or like you just don't know because you haven't done it. So now, now you know like a lot more. Even yes. like the whole like keeping the thermos to keep the water hot. Like I, I don't think I would have thought about that. You know, mm-hmm. if I was going camping, that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, I think it's one of those, like, you just gotta try it. You just gotta do it and see if it works and kind of tweak it. Cause yeah, I remember using the AeroPress in a hotel room and I like really didn't like that experience. I feel like there's just Ooh. like too much going on. Right. Um, so yeah, it just kind of depends, but yeah, I think it's also harder if the people you're with don't quite understand, um, the more specialty coffee side of things. 
mm-hmm. I think it'd be a little bit more forgiving if like, you know, me and you or maybe some, some other people we know, like, you know, if we went out to do coffee, you know, or camping or whatever, and then we're like, oh yeah, trying out the new brewer, I think it'd be a, a little bit different experience there. Versus mm-hmm, just like, yeah. hey, where's the where are the Folgers? You know, where, where that instant <laughs> dispense um, type of right. thing. Not, not a, you know, not, nothing against that. Well, we had but, that uh, there different too. expectations, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, with that, with that, that's a lot of people. So I don't even in that situation. I feel like the only only way to go would be a uh, French press, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Or if you brought a Chemex, we, we kind of talked about that before you went on the trip, but the Chemex would probably break. So, <laughs> um, yeah, probably French press. Maybe. French press, yeah. Um, did, did you, like, hand grind all those beans at the same time before you went? Yes, sir. <laughs> so you got, you got was... a nice workout. Yes. Uh, actually, when I bought the beans themselves, I was like, that the the ser- the server asked me, "Hey, do you want me to grind this bag for you?" I'm like, "Oh, can you do half?" And he's like, "No, because I don't really have another bag to put you in, put it into." I was uh... like, okay. And now I'm like, "Man, you should have just grinded the whole bag because I don't even have enough coffee, anyways." So <laughs> yeah, like just grind the whole bag, bring it with you. Don't try and portion it out. You know, just just bring enough for more than how much how many people you you yeah, have. Yeah, that makes sense. And you know, if you're out doing stuff like hiking, whatever, you'll probably be tired. You might want an extra cup, you know. Um yes sir, yes sir. Hard to say, hard to say, but yeah, that's a that's a hard situation to be in. But now mm. now, now you know. Yeah. yeah. Just would you just would you take on. the AeroPress camping again then? Uh no, I would definitely opt for, like you said, a French press or just like a regular, like a little percolator mm. kettle uh, that you could just put on the stove. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I don't. I I feel like the Kalita would maybe work out. You, you couldn't bring a um, a gooseneck, or I I probably wouldn't recommend that because you could. Mm-hmm. Um, but since it has like the, the holes in the bottom, I think you could mm-hmm. use like a regular kettle and kind of, I mean, that, that's kind of how you usually brew anyways, I think. Yeah. So yeah. you could potentially do that. I think it would help. You have more, I guess, flexibility with the volume. Although mm-hmm. I've never really done pour over for more than one cup. I mean, the Chemex for two cups, but like V60 or Kalita, you can make it for more, but I've never right. really done that. But I think it's also still max like three or four cups, probably at most. Yeah, yeah. Like like I said, I, I usually can do like twenty four to thirty two ounces mm-hmm. on a single pour over of uh, the Kalita. Um, it just you just have to go in waves, kind of, and then and wave, you know, <laughs> yeah, and then kind of like jostle the the liquid to get it evenly dispersed because the flavor is gonna be different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Dang. Anyways, uh, those are some lessons that I'll definitely take to heart. Um, but I think kind of echoing what you said uh, kind of halfway through our discussion, it shouldn't be something you really stress over. Um, mm. And kind of like what I said in the beginning, like the point of having coffee at a camping is to just have a warm, comforting beverage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're not going to be like sitting around the campfire, like talking about flavor notes and things like that. Although I think that would be something really fun to do with some coffee lovers. Yeah, um, they got to be specific people. Yeah. Maybe some listeners on our podcast. Maybe we can do a little oh, yeah. camping trip. Yo, camping trip. 
But uh, just to, you know, keep the whole thing simple and just enjoy the great outdoors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Good word. Um, cool. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully next time you go out camping or traveling with coffee, it'll be a little bit more enjoyable experience. Um, Amen to that. But in the meantime, I guess we uh, move on to the Westworld Season 1 finale. Um, yes sir yeah yeah so quick episode summary of this finale uh episodes called the bicameral mind the man in black reveals to dolores that he is indeed william and that he has been coming to the park in hopes that dolores would recognize him william stabs dolores but teddy arrives to knock him out and promises to take dolores to the place where the mountains meet the sea Dr. Ford finds William and invites him to the party, where Dr. Ford reveals his new narrative. Meanwhile, Maeve and others continue their quest to escape Westworld and travel throughout the headquarters, fighting off security guards and discovering samurai hosts. Maeve gets to the subway, leaving for the real world after Felix hands Maeve the location of her daughter in Westworld. Dr. Ford and an audience appears when Dolores and Teddy finally make it to the shore revealing Dr. Ford's new narrative called Journey into Night. Dolores is taken back to operations, and the newly resuscitated Bernard accuses Ford of shutting down hosts before they can attain consciousness. Ford shares that he was merely continuing Arnold's work, that he wanted to protect the host from being harmed by others or themselves. Ford leaves Wyatt's gun on the table and walks away from Dolores, Dolores then walks out to the party and shoots Ford in the back of the head as he concludes that this will be his final narrative. At the same time, Maeve gets off the subway train right before it departs. Lee finds the chamber of hosts to be empty, and William creeps a smile as a horde of armed hosts emerge from the forest behind the party. Ooh! Mm. Long mm-hmm. one. Um, yeah, it was a long one. Yeah, yeah, literally, the, the episode was actually long too. Yeah, <laughs> oh, man, I mean, I, I don't think either of us knew that. <laughs> that kind of caught me up. I was like looking at the uh, time, and I was like scrubbing it. I was like, wait, it says fifty, and then like thirty left. I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was watching. I was like, man, the first part of this finale is like pretty slow. And like, mm-hmm. and I, 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 I timed. It. I watched it later in the day than normal, and I was like, gonna eat dinner soon. And I was like, the the dinner time is getting pretty close. Um, <laughs> like, and then I realized I was like, oh, the episode's like hour and a half, right? Um, yeah. yeah, that was surprising. Yeah. Uh, what What are some of your initial thoughts after watching the episode? Yeah. Um. Man, this episode was uh, a good one. I would say. Mm. Um. Definitely a very action-packed episode. Mm. Uh, a lot of things popping off, a lot of reveals, and in some in some parts of the episode, a very like cerebral, very philosophical one, like uh, many of the previous episodes have been. Um, I mean, this episode is called "Bicameral Mind," which uh, I think Ford even just describes in his monologue that it is a theory, and I just looked this up on Wikipedia. But it's a theory that argues that the human mind once operated in a state in which cognitive functions were divided between one part of the brain, which appears to be speaking, and a second part, which actually listens and obeys and, like, does the actions. Hmm. Um, So, with that in mind, (laughs) 
Uh, it just, yeah, I think there's a lot said, a lot of, a lot of kind of theory and like, oh man, you could try and make all these connections. Mm. Um, so it was a heavy one. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like it fit the bill for a season finale? If a season finale is meant to ask more questions and answer them, then yes. <laughs> For Westworld, that 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 makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much in the same vein. Uh, what did you think about the episode? Yeah, um, kind of said it earlier, but I, I um, initially watching it, the first part, I just feel like it, it was a little slow, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. I think partially because I I didn't know the episode was like hour and a half long, um, but also like I I guess cause I I feel like they they were trying to like enjoy I guess like all the things they've been building up to this point in the season. Like one of the mm-hmm. biggest things being that the man in black is William, um, and they're one in the same. Um, but I think since we've talked about that already, and like I basically already believed it. Um, and I just felt like they they were trying to build up to this like climax, but I already knew what it was what it was gonna be. <laughs> yes. Um so that's why that first part just felt like a little like oh, okay, like all, all yeah. right, you know, just kinda, you know, you, you can move along a little. Um but, you know, that's I guess my, my experience. But which is fine, like I get it, you know, they spent the whole season and like this is kind of the big deal, like the big reveal and like all that. So they're kind of sure. like working up to it, building to it. I just kind of wish they would have built a little quicker. Uh, although right. talking to some of the other people that I, I know watch the show, not everyone um, kind of picked up on or even like thought that William was the, uh, the man in black. Oh, so, really? Yeah, I mean, I, I like that one person, but um, okay, we won't so, help them. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine I'm pretty sure they don't listen to the podcast <laughs> oh. but uh, yeah so I mean at this point I feel like it's pretty obvious um, but you know I could see for someone that wasn't quite like looking at the details or maybe like mm-hmm. binge the season or something um, right. that that reveal could have been pretty big um, mm-hmm yeah, so as a whole, like I, I liked the episode. Um, I don't think it's one of the one of my favorites out of the ten. Sure, but, I mean it's, it's up there. Um, mm-hmm. But what? Yeah, um, I, I think that there are a lot, and like it kind of set up the next season, I guess. So in that yeah. sense, in terms of the finale, I think it, it did that because finales usually have some type of cliffhanger, you know, um, right. type of thing. So yeah. I was going to say, what did you think about, so like the reveal wasn't exactly a revelation of information, but I think they were really trying to build some emotion in that scene, mm-hmm. right? Like with the uh, Dolores and the man in black slash William. So what did it, did it hit you like emotionally or, um, you know, mm-hmm. knowing that the man in black was trying to get to Dolores, but then like hardening and like kind of hating and despising her mm. i don't know that was kind of like what i've understood i don't know if i felt that as much what about i mean what are your thoughts on that in general yeah um i think there was there, there's a build up in terms of like 
they they, they kind of danced around it for like a little bit. I feel like you know, and then mm-hmm. Dolores was basically saying like, "Oh, so I know someone's gonna come for me." Like his love is real, you know, type of deal. But she never mm-hmm. says who that is. Um, and then the man in blacks, uh, he might think it's Teddy. I, I don't know what's going on in his mind in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he's just like, well, no, that's not going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. he kind of builds up to that. And then she's like, yeah, he's William or something, you know? And then he's like, oh, yeah. you know, he's, so he's genuinely surprised. Um, mm. so that's, that, that was interesting. I, I think yeah. is part, part of his story. So we, we get a lot more of his backstory basically as William, um, right. even furthering into the man in black time but how he kind of goes on his quest looks everywhere can't find Dolores you know and like mm-hmm. and then sees her back in Sweetwater just like doing mm-hmm. the loop you know same old and she does not recognize him I think mm-hmm. that kind of like is a moment like a like a psychological break or something you know mm-hmm. when he's like oh like this this is a game or like you know she, she doesn't recognize me basically um so I, I think that mm-hmm. that's interesting that that happened back when they were younger, and then now it's like um, she actually remem- remembers him. Right. I, I think that, that was the interesting part. Um, and then, like, emotionally, when when she realizes, like, oh, this is William, and he's a bad person, mm-hmm. like, Dolores just kind of goes off, I think. Yeah. That, that was um, uh, unexpected, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, like, goes off on him and, like, Oh, she, she kind of does that a couple of times in this um, episode. Yeah, but, she like beats uh, him up. Yeah, so yeah, I it was, it was good. I I I did enjoy that part. I guess. But, yeah, I I guess we could talk a little bit about the maze. Um, yeah, that's kind of what is like the subtext of the whole season. Basically, mm-hmm. is, is about this maze and sure. um, yeah, I mean Dolores takes the man in black and they go and look for it. Um, and they, I guess they find it. Um, Mm -hmm. and it turns out to just literally be like a toy maze. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and the man in black is pretty much in disbelief. And then, you know, Dolores has actually found it before. Um, but, Oh yeah. I I don't know. What what do you think about this maze? I mean, cause this is, this is also part of the buildup for the whole, the whole, um, season basically i felt like the maze had so like hmm i felt like it had such a mystery behind it and such a significance because of its vagueness but and i think they've been hinting at this the whole time like the little from the little girl to ford to Hmm. whoever's like the maze is not made for you and they just basically say the same thing once the maze is dug out of the grave um, so I don't know. I wonder, I wonder how it might be expanded in the next season, mm-hmm. but honestly, I feel like the maze was kind of secondary to the actual development of the characters in becoming mm-hmm. more, uh, self-conscious. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think the maze really added any, anything to understanding that point. Or just illustrating that point through that visual. I mean, I thought there was going to be like a literal maze or I thought there was going to be like a person, a a different person that would appear 
Mm. I don't know. It was just kind of, it was just kind of like a, to me, almost felt like a red herring, but uh, not really. Mm. Was it like unsatisfying, I guess? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. Yeah. I don't know. Did, I don't, did you, uh, what'd you think? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if they're going to revisit it. Like, it. It seems like they found it, like, what what she was trying to find. Well, I guess, in, in the physical sense, she found the toy maze, um, which mm-hmm. was oddly, like, buried at her own grave. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Don't really know the significance behind that. But um, I guess in the more, like, Arnold's purpose kind of sense of what mm-hmm. the, the maze was for him, like, she does like find herself, I guess. Like, yeah. Um, so in terms of like the, the physical, like the toy, like that thing, it was kind of weird. Yeah. I kind of felt like, Oh, like, is that it? You know, um, felt really unsatisfying in that sense. But I guess the development is that because the maze was created for the hosts to find mm-hmm. their consciousness, I guess, if you could phrase it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the implication is that Dolores has found it, I guess. Um, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's jumping too far ahead, but like she, because it, it shows another conversation between her and Arnold and Arnold's like trying to do the whole like pyramid thing, like mm-hmm. memories, you know, lead to like something else. And then, and which ultimately leads to consciousness. Yeah. And then he says like, he wants them to hear their own voice. Like, that's how he, I guess, defines consciousness. Is consciousness, like free yeah. thinking um, or, or mm-hmm. something like that. And yep. he replaces his voice for the time being. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, Dolores has kind of been, like, hallucinating, I guess, from our perspective for a few episodes right. now. And, like, there's been a couple of scenes where she, like, sees herself talking to herself. You right, know, like right, the tarot right. cards. Um, she saw herself like drowned in the ocean or something. Um, right. Or yeah, so there's a lot of different scenes where she sees herself. Um, mm. And then in this one, she realizes, I guess, that the voice is actually herself. Okay. Um, so I guess in that sense, like I, I think I agree with you. I I think it's a good point that like the whole maze as like symbolism or or something like. I felt a little unnecessary once we realized what was going on. Like, right. it's just kind of like, oh, like, this is them becoming sentient, like, the host, you know, becoming conscious and, and, and whatnot. And the maze, mm-hmm. like, kind of wasn't really part of that. Like, it was in terms of just being like, oh, the maze slash the journey of doing so. Right. Um, But, right. you know, it, it wasn't really like she, she didn't actually go through the maze, you know, or a physical maze. Right. Um, so yeah, I kind of agree with you I, there. That it's just kind of like, oh yeah, I, you know, I guess the maze was cool. Um, maybe there's more hype on it than um, than was necessary. I guess the um, the maze now now that you're kind of saying it, I'm kind of like externally processing. Like the maze, the toy itself was Arnold's toy, right? Mm-hmm. And that's like what kind of gave him the idea of like bringing the host to consciousness. So I wonder if like, so like in the beginning of the season, we're like, okay, this maze is, this is a symbol that we will use to get to Arnold. Mm. And I think uh, the hosts, 
maybe not the host, but the humans were like looking at that, like, okay, like the man in black, I'm going to follow this maze so I find Arnold. Mm-hmm. But uh, really, I guess the maze was really, really meant for the host to get to the middle, which is not Arnold, but themselves. Mm-hmm. So, like, I guess with Arnold giving this to the host, he's like, well, like, try and find me, but in finding me, I hope you find yourself. Mm-hmm. I guess. And that's so deep. maybe that's the significance of the maze is that like because the actual maze toy was Arnold's by seeking Arnold, that's kind of like a placeholder for them to eventually seek themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because he, he kind of uses himself at. as like the surrogate of consciousness. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like like the maze as a concept isn't super confusing, I guess. But I, I just feel like it... It didn't have the like the punch I I thought it would have at the end here. Right. You know, at the end of the season, I'm like, oh, okay, like they're she, they're, they're conscious now. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so maybe it was a little too abstract, and then like it was just kept in the abstract, and like mm-hmm. never really brought down from there. I guess. Mm. Um, but I mean, it makes sense. Like the whole journey and this idea of the bicameral mind, you know, and and whatnot. And like, you know, basically your inner consciousness and your inner voice that you hear. So it right. all makes sense. Um, but maybe a little a little too high level for me. <laughs> it does come together ish. Yeah. So what'd you think about the new narrative? Journey into the night. Yeah, I was well, Did that well, ca- catch well, off guard? <laughs> Yeah, I I was like I was really confused. Um, I was like, is this Black Mirror? Like all of a sudden, there's like a audience in the yeah. background. Like, okay, oh, white bear. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyways, uh, um, but yeah, I I was, I was super confused because I I I'm now left wondering, like, because cause the, the implication was that Teddy came and saved Dolores from the Man in Black. And then she's like, take me to the ocean, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And he does that. But then that's part of their, his, you know, Ford's reveal. So I'm confused as to, like, is, was she just in a loop, you know? Like, um, yeah, basically, how did they get from Teddy saving Dolores from the man in black to being Ford's reveal in front of the board? Mm-hmm. How I is think, that orchestrated? Yeah, so I was, like, confused. Like, yeah. are you just going to, like, overlook that and be like, ah, it's fine? Or, I I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, they I just, like, all pause and, then, like, showing the spotlight. And I was like, wait, what? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely think that was kind of a story hole, I guess, mm-hmm. um, that, like, maybe we're not supposed to ask too many questions about. Yeah, maybe we're just supposed to go with it. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know because it's just yeah. I'm not sure if they just saw like if the board only saw them on the beach because like I don't think they could have seen all the other stuff with the maze and like you know men in black like that. I don't right. assume that it, that'd be part of it. That wouldn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just kind of how it ends up. Um, yeah, and then, like, before the spotlight sh- shown, like, Teddy basically went all, like, poetic and stuff, and I was like, oh, this, this like, suddenly it, like, felt weird, you know? Mm-hmm. Because um, he basically was, like, okay with Dolores dying, 
<laughs> but then, then, then it made sense because it's part of, part of the thing, um, part part of his ad. Right, um, right. Yeah. So, but I I feel like this that that like his his actual new narrative isn't that. Um, mm. And like, yeah, that basically, I, I feel like his new narrative is the whole next season and like the whole cliffhanger of Dolores shooting him. Yeah, I feel like that too. Like that's like actually what he wanted. Like I, I was, con- uh, not confused, but it almost seemed like out of character because I think Ford basically seems to align himself with Arnold mm-hmm. um, in terms of like yeah. wanting the host to be free or like something yep. along those lines, and then he also sacrifices himself and has mm-hmm. Dolores kill him, um, which is what yeah. also Arnold did. Um, and Teddy yeah. watches per usual. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, so I feel like that's what he was actually doing. Um, right. Instead of all of the other stuff. So it was like, yeah, I felt like it was building up to order. Like, like with the, with the new narrative, like at the beach, like, you're like, Oh, okay. This all makes sense. Like this is building up to some sense of order in Westworld. And then mm-hmm. like once, um, Dolores realizes that she is her own, she is herself, she has her own thoughts, aided by uh, Ford and Bernard, or Arnold, then it kind of just springs into chaos again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ford is crazy, man. Yeah, like, I don't know, it almost, like, ends picturing him as a good person, like... Because he's sacrificing himself, um, mm-hmm. I guess. So, yeah, it just I felt like the the whole like sinister Ford like that I've I've been seeing up to this point like he wasn't that person anymore in this episode. Mm-hmm. It just yeah, it just like stark contrast kind of seems out of out of character. Um, and then I mean mm-hmm. I feel like his sinisterness like gets transferred to Dolores, and she's like she's Wyatt, you know. That's kind of revealed. Mm-hmm. Like she's basically sinister, and and I don't know if evil, but you know, like she, well, she was killing uh, people at the yeah. at the gala at the party. Yeah, and she she was killing people before too, you know, with Teddy, like as Wyatt, right. and like so she is much more. Um, Dark, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, which makes me think about that bicameralism thing. Because, um, like, so if the mind is composed of two minds, one that um, uh, controls and then one that um, obeys, and what we're seeing now in Westworld is excuse me, the obeying mind is rebelling against the controlling mind. Mm -hmm. So, like, Dolores is rebelling against Ford and Westworld, Mm. yet it's kind of been orchestrated by Ford and Arnold to to do Mm. that. Um, And there's that reference to that uh, Michelangelo painting, um, the creation of Adam, and how um, the, the shape of God was truly a brain and not God himself. So, um, I don't know. I guess it's like Ford and 
company are just kind of playing out that picture and saying like, okay, it's not really about us. It's not really about us gods who are creating you guys, but about how, like, I don't know, we've created you. And so, like, it's more important that you continue than for us to be gods. And that it's kind of like, by you living, we are fulfilling our purpose. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like the whole vibe, I guess, from the show that I get is like everyone is looking for truth in some ways, but it's like it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, because, yeah, the whole idea of like gods and like God and stuff, um, when Maeve and Hector and Armistice are doing their like breakout and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably, they're basically, I, they say something along the lines of like, Oh, like these aren't gods, you know, or like these gods are yeah. weak or, you know, something like that. Um, so like that whole idea is, is kind of there like this. It's like in their mind, basically they've, they've thought that these humans or whatever, however they understood them to be, were the gods that determined everything. Mm. And then they realize like, Oh, that's not actually the case. Um, right. Right. Yeah, so it's kind of kind of all over, um, basically causing you to question reality and and everything, right? <laughs> um, which I guess you know Man. goes back to the theme of the show, but for for sure, and we didn't even get to that whole thing with uh, Maeve and her side. Like, any takeaways from that? Um, so I think uh, just yeah, real quick on that one. I think when she um, decides to leave the subway. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was very interesting because it's revealed that she might be on a loop. Like her whole escape right. like is a loop or like is a storyline yeah. written out for her. Yes. Uh, which that's like, that's it's a crazy. whole other, you know, rabbit hole of vagueness. Um, right. So I, I, I don't know. You know, it doesn't say who wrote it. Like, or, or, or do they say it's Arnold or something? I, I don't know. But that whole thing is like, oh, what? Um, I, but then it, they didn't really go into it. But my understanding then is when she chooses to not escape and go look for her daughter, my mm-hmm. the implication to me was that she was making a decision out of her own free will. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't yeah. know if that's also in the storyline. That would feel kind of contradictory. Kind of like double um, cross, it, it, double. it could be still, I guess. Um, but mm-hmm. I think with the whole, like, what they're trying to do with this finale, you know, like Dolores right. coming out and being like, Hey, like, this is our world. Now we're going to take it. And like, basically the hosts are coming, um, and rebelling. So I feel like sure. with that whole, that, you know, that, that whole that movement, theme. I feel like Maeve was also doing that. Um, if the whole escape was a story, then she's choosing not to, um, which I mean, it could still like, be part of the storyline and that could come up in season two, but I, I just didn't really get that vibe, I guess. Yeah. Cause Felix gives her the paper. Like that seemed mm-hmm. really scripted. Like, Oh, here's a paper by the way of where your daughter is. Yeah. So, so it's uh, maybe, maybe that was kind of like a little, uh, a little plot point there for like Maeve to be like, this is the choice. This is the free will opportunity, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Cause if she hadn't had that paper, she wouldn't, have had that flashback and saw the mother and daughter and want to go back. Yeah. She probably yeah. would have kept going. Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, I, I like for the sake of the show, it makes sense that she wouldn't leave. Cause that would just like, 
be too much. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I wonder, yeah, how they're going to actually explain that decision in the next season. Right. Um, yeah, if she had left and gone to the real world, that uh, that would just be almost too much for me. Like, yeah, got Westworld and the real world, and Naves out there. Like, yeah. I don't know. It'd be like Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah. Yeah, that, that just makes me think of like Jurassic Park. Whenever the dinosaurs escape, and then like just go to to like Hollywood or wherever. Um, and we know yeah. how that movie went. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess some other just random points about the finale. Um, since we were talking about Felix and Maeve, <laughs> I thought Felix had <laughs> a really funny part in this episode. Um, oh yeah, when when Maeve. And and him go and find Bernard, and then Maeve tells Felix that Bernard is a host, and, and Ber- mm. Felix is like, "What?" You know, his mind is like blown, like, "No way, what?" And then he like yeah. does the robot real quick for a second. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he, yeah. He's like, "Am I a host?" And he like, you know, moves robotically, and she's like, "No, you, you're not one of us." Like, like <laughs> I thought, I thought I I actually laughed out loud at that part. Yeah, <laughs> that was kind of funny. Yeah, so Felix, you know, gave me a laugh, but he he's still he's still a tool um, and kind of useless. <laughs> but um, that 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 was funny. I I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there are so many other unanswered questions. Like like we said in the beginning, this finale just you know leaves questions such as who are those people coming out of the woods? Um, where the heck are Elsie and Stubbs? Like, are they still alive? Are they going to be replaced by hosts? And then the whole samurai thing, right? Yeah. Like, what's going on there? Yeah, that's that's super interesting. Yeah, and like on that whole samurai thing, like in the paper that Maeve gets for her daughter's location, uh, mm-hmm. one of the the biggest coordinates is Park One. Mm. Um, so the whole samurai thing just could be like another park, like another, you know, it says SW instead of WW. So I don't know, like samurai world oh. instead of East world, but right. I, I, I don't know. Um, so it's interesting. And yeah, I, I think the implication though, with the people coming out of the woods is that those are the hosts in storage. Um, Oh, Oh shoot. Cause, cause I didn't think about that. that. Oh snap. That was her. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure she she was like coming out with the rifle and stuff. Oh snap! And that's why the chamber was empty. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the implication. Um, oh and, shoot! Yeah, and then and then the man in black like gets shot, but he smiles. That's like yeah. oh, okay. Um, I was just like in my <laughs> notes, I was just character. like, man in black is very happy, smiley face. <laughs> um, but then he's gonna like he's probably gonna die. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I think he's in the next season for sure. But yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. There's a lot they've they've set up the next season. I think pretty well. Um, I think this this is how shows go as they progress. Um, but as the seasons go, they just gets further and further from the original story, which is good because mm-hmm. the story progresses. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, oh, you know, like it's not just a simple western anymore. Um, right. But yeah, so that, I think there's a lot to look forward to, I guess. I would agree. Yeah. And um man, that would basically wrap it up for mm-hmm. the first season of Westworld for us. And yep. almost feels like the end of our first season of The Pour Over. Mm. 
but I do want to make a quick announcement to the listeners that it technically is not the end of our season. We're going to have another episode next week about highlights, lowlights, and a recap of the con- the entire first season of Westworld. Um, mm. But, like Dill knows right now, we will be taking a hiatus uh, just with our podcast and maybe post every two weeks. I know that you have some special things in store and in mind with another person. Mm-hmm. Maybe some collabs. Yeah, maybe some, some collaborations. So uh, we will share more about that next episode. Uh, maybe include some bloopers in that podcast. Um, but I do want to talk about one thing before we get to our last segment. One more thing. Uh, I want to do a giveaway of that third wave water stuff. Um, and I have about, I think, seven packets left. So uh, for anyone who's listening, and seriously, anybody that's listening to this podcast, because we really appreciate y'all. Um, mm. Please uh, subscribe, um, follow us on Twitter, and tell us what you think about our podcast on Twitter or send us an email. And mm. if you do those three things, subscribe to whatever pod- whatever kind of app you're listening to, follow us on Twitter, and then just tell us something, I will send you a uh, packet of third wave water. Mm. And... That will get you one gallon of this special stuff to brew your coffee, your tea, or just drink because it's a perfectly balanced cup of water. Mm. Very nice. Very <laughs> nice. And uh, I think another way people can give us their feedback is to just give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, they can give us a review somewhere else, but I think Apple Podcasts is really what, what helps um, in terms of getting the word out for the show. So... Yeah, tweet us, email us, leave us a review. Uh, it'd be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, what's making you happy this week, Dill? Um, yeah, you know, one word, I guess, uh, barbecue. <laughs> I went to this, um, I would say, if not the best barbecue in Dallas, like top two, um, I think, is my first time going. It's called mm. Cadillac Barbecue. And um, it's uh, it's only open Thursday and Friday for lunch. And that's okay. it. Um, so twice what, a week, um, and it's pretty busy. And um, yeah, I've been I've been wanting to check it out for a long time. Um, I finally got to go last week, um, and it was fantastic. So wow, highly recommend to people coming through. Um, I think. Probably the best barbecue I've had. Um, I haven't had that many places, I guess. But especially in Dallas, like, usually mm-hmm. the my go-to is Pecan Lodge, for those familiar with the area. Yes, sir. Um, Shout I would out say, to Deep Yeah, Cadillac is on level or maybe even better. Um, so it's, wow. it's Yeah, those two are, like, on a separate tier compared to all the rest of the barbecue I've had here. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was, it was really good. I ate a lot and was very full. Um, what was the best cut of meat or type of barbecue? Um, they they have beef rib. Um, so usually a oh. lot of par- uh, barbecue places just have pork rib, but they have right. beef rib, which is like huge. Like the bone for the beef rib, like is is big. You know, I feel like someone in like the Ghost Nation and Westworld will use that as a weapon. 
Um, <laughs> and like it's basically brisket on a bone. You know, it's like super oh. um, tender, moist, and like is is good. Um, so and you know we also have brisket, you know, sausage, the the whole works. Um, right. Yeah, and it's it's really good. So making me happy Very nice. even now as I think about it. <laughs> yeah, and pro tip secret for our listeners: Cadillac has free beer. What? Yes, this is like a secret. Oh my like, god! You have to know to know, but if you ask for their Lone Star beer, it's free. Wow. Um, they That's, have other beer uh... that costs money, but if you ask for the Lone Star, um, it it is free. So, uh, my friend and I That's... each got one, and it just made it even all the better. That's dangerous information, Dill. Yeah. You you doling out secrets, man. Yeah, only for our listeners. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh. But, um, yeah, for sure. So that's me. Uh, what's making you happy this week? Well, uh, Dill, you always bring the bangers when it comes to the food and drink, and I have to... I have to call you on that, and I will raise you a apple Ooh. because apples are making me happy this week. Okay. I think they're a really underrated nutritional fruit. Yeah. And, um, you know, even like, even though I dog on the red deliciouses a lot, you know, because <laughs> they, you know, are one of the more inferior yeah. uh, breeds of apples, uh, I had a quite delicious one this camping trip. Ooh. So, um, shout outs to the camping group that gave me this five pound bag of apples because no wow. one else wanted to eat them. <laughs> so, shout outs mm. to apples. Nice, nice. What's a, what's your favorite apple? Um, it used to be Honeycrisp, Ooh. but uh, honestly, they've been letting me down. Um, mm. And I'm going to go with a uh, kind of a curve and say um, Granny Smith. Ooh, okay, okay. I'm a, I'm a Fuji fan myself. Um, okay. Occasionally, I, I'll go for the Pink Lady. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, apples are good uh, though. Um, they are. That's, that's a good a balance nice... to my very fatty, unhealthy um, beef rib. <laughs> well, that's what we'll give you on this podcast: is balance. Yes. All right. Well, um, thanks for always pouring it over with me, Dill, and uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. This was the Pour Over Podcast. You can email us at pourovershow at gmail.com and tweet us at pourover underscore show. Our artwork is by Daniel Liu. Find him on Instagram at Here Comes Daniel. Music is by Joshua Yin. You can listen to his other tracks on soundcloud.com slash kidmajestic. One word. Thanks for joining us and take care. Peace. Yeah.